scumbags. I mean, these are kook, cult, demons, hardcore evil. I mean, these people are flaming scum, wild, crazy, dangerous people, just like the Nazis, the Soviets, all of them. Pol Pot killing 31% of Cambodia, murdering anybody that can read or write or wear glasses. You're like, why'd he do that? Because he's a flaming loon. They like it. They like black uniforms and torturing children all right all we are back all. once again um with another episode of no real libertarian uh the gang's all here disappointingly uh however uh, we are all 30 minutes late so all is good in the world um we have a guest today uh mr judgment day days um from former twitter fame and now from Twitter suspension fame. Um, and uh, we are here to talk about the Civil War. Um, which one exactly? Well, I usually call it the American Civil War, just because that's what everyone's familiar with. And that's what everyone knows it as. Uh, sometimes yeah. it goes by a lot of different names. War for Southern yeah. Independence and uh, War yeah. Between the States and... War of Northern Aggression. Yeah, War of Northern Aggression <laughs> if you live in the South. <laughs> yeah. I mean, all of those names are more accurate than the actual name, Civil War. Uh, we can get into that a little bit more if you want to talk about that. But I mean, if, if your point is that it wasn't really civil, uh, then <laughs> I think you missed kind of the reason it's called a civil war. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, people say well, there's nothing civil about it, right? Like, there's nothing civil yeah. about it. But and, and ultimately, though, I mean, this is a you're going to find a lot of brick walls when people make their standard arguments. And one of them is that, you know, uh, the president of the Confederacy, Jefferson Davis, he never wanted to be president in Washington, D.C. It wasn't as if Jefferson Davis and the South were saying, well, we want to take over the American government. We want to take over the American federal government and we want to rule instead of Abraham Lincoln and. Uh, the Union and all that kind of stuff. They wanted actually to be left alone. And Jefferson Davis even said that in his speeches leading up to the actual war. He said, all we all we ask is to be left alone. That's and, incredibly boring. Yeah, right? Isn't that? <laughs> like what the fuck happened to a good bit of revolutionary spirit? Like, exactly. Like, we're going to go to Washington, chop off the head of this fucking king. Yeah, you know, they had the uh, Boston Massacre. You know, you guys are throwing ice balls and hurting some people. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I... Uh... We want to be left alone. How boring. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. It's always yeah. peace talk. Yeah. <laughs> hmm. All right. So what motivated these people to want to uh, be, be left, left alone? alone? Like were the North interfering with their uh, marrying their first cousins or? <laughs> yeah. 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 No, I mean, it's a, it's a long laundry list of, uh, of reasons, uh, I mean, the same is going on with a lot of the modern wars that happen today, right? Just think of something like the Iraq War. You know, why, hmm. why did the Iraq War happen? You know, is that for a multitude of reasons, because um, because uh, George W. Bush's father was almost assassinated by Saddam Hussein. Could that have been a reason? Could the oil interest there be a, be a reason? The war profiteering, you know, all those people. Um, could it be that it's next to Iran and we want to, and uh, we, and I'm not invading anything, but <laughs> the American government wants to be close to Iran. Right. And that's their sworn enemies. And uh, so there's a multitude of reasons as to why that conflict came about. 
the same thing is happening with the the news that uh, Saddam has nukes. Yeah, Saddam has weapons of mass destruction, right? Yeah. Yeah. There's a lot of propaganda, too. So even with the Civil War, there's a lot of propaganda going on there. I mean, uh, judging from the bulge in Saddam's pants, uh, I can be confident saying yes, uh, the weapons of ass destruction. destruction. (laughs) (laughs) I think you're thinking of Gaddafi. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> okay. We saw. Oh. We bayoneted. Oh. What a freak. Uh, yeah. Do we have uh, any sources on that? Was yeah. Hung? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, uh, so with the, with the American Civil War, like that same thing is going on there, you know, um, primarily it, you can't really understand the uh, American Civil War without understanding the Mexican-American War which happened uh, in the 1840s. So yeah, this... that's uh, one uh, people don't talk about. Exactly, exactly. Because what that did was after um, after the Americans won that war, they were given the Me- what's called the Mexican Cession, which is a whole chunk of basically the West Coast. So you have all of California and Texas and Colorado and uh, a lot of these other Western states that were gained. And because of that, there was a giant land grab, a giant rush um, for people coming from the east, coming to settle all this new land that was uh, open out west, and so because of that, you had a lot of um, territorial disputes. Basically, where you had southerners who were bringing their uh, slaves into the western territories, and because of that, you had the Dred Scott decision, which was basically trying to decide that, well, if you bring a slave into a free state, is he going to be set free? And of course, uh, what's really underpinning that is the uh, the three fifths compromise, which is in the Constitution, which uh, basically is setting up um, like uh, is that how... like the compromise where you go only three fifths of the way in? <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> just only just a tip. Just a, tip. <laughs> just a, tip. Just a little bit. <laughs> basically, though, they're calculating how much uh, population or how much uh, political representation a state is going to have based on population. And a lot of people say, well, that's kind of cruel because they're thinking of uh, slaves as three-fifths of a person. But in reality, the Southerners wanted uh, the slaves to be represented as one whole person because they, they figured, hey, well, this is an actual person. They consume resources. like They live it, they live here. They're actual people hmm. that we have to take into account. And we count the women. We count other people who don't vote or aren't politically active right, as part of the population. Whereas the North, yeah. the people in the North said, well, we want them to count as zero. We don't want you counting them whatsoever towards any representation of your population. And so so it's a political thing. Exactly. Yeah. So a lot of people think like, oh, they're speculating on how much of a worth this person is. And it's really a little more nuanced than that. Like, it's really all about political representation and stuff like that. Yeah. So it's basically the same thing as allowing women to vote. It's like, uh, it's, it's, it's all about which demographics will do what. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So you have. Um, so basically, what you're saying, it's about mistakes. Yeah. It's about mistakes. Yeah. <laughs> Repeal the 19th. Uh, no, uh, <laughs> so basically, you had, uh, you had this big influx of population coming into the West. And people were. Uh, so we were talking about propaganda earlier, right? We were talking about uh, right. yeah. like weapons of mass destruction, right? Like that's, a, that's something that was ginned up and hyped up to justify invading uh, into Iraq, right? So the same thing was going on at that time that. Um, Lincoln was saying, Lincoln and other Republicans and people in the North were saying that, well, the South has all this slave power. So they have the power of slavery. They have, they're all these 
rich aristocrats down there and they're using their slave influence and their power to uh, help settle the West and they're going to take over the whole West mm-hmm. and they're going to create um, a slaveocracy and they're going to do all this stuff. And uh, in reality... Uh, I mean, if, if you... If like they imagine like a society ruled by slaves, uh, I think they might have misunderstood the nature of slavery. It's like uh... no, they uh, they mean the slave owners would uh, create oh, sort of aristocracy oh. basically, oh, and just okay. and they would just expand slavery all the way out to the west coast is what they were telling the south southerners that they were going to do. So that's that's all propaganda because uh, California. Kansas and Oregon all became states in the antebellum period leading up to the Civil War. Mm-hmm. So the trend was not that they were gaining more slave states. They were gaining more free states. And um, there's a, something really, really tricky about that term free. So the difference between slave and free, you'll hear those terms a lot in the lead up to the Civil War. Mm-hmm. And primarily what they mean when they mean slave state is they mean States with slaves, and of course, you know, uh, let's say 99% of all the slaves are black. Mm -hmm. So when they say they're using the term slave synonymously with black. Mm -hmm. Right. So when they're saying we don't want slaves coming into the West, or we don't want slavery in our state, what they're really saying (laughs) is that we do not want to be around black people whatsoever. And Lincoln, you can read all of his speeches up until Lincoln-Douglas debates. You can read all of them. Even uh, Frederick Douglass called him out on this, that Lincoln was dedicated, lifelong, up until his death. There's a a really great book called uh, Colonization After Emancipation, in which Lincoln was calculating how many ships it would take to deport all of the black population out out of North America. So he was looking at Central America. where? Oh. Central America, uh, British Honduras. He was communicating with them. There are um, transcripts of them communicating back and forth that they could help facilitate this uh, to Haiti, obviously, because there was the Haitian revolt, and that was a, um, basically a state created by former slaves and stuff. So he's figuring maybe we can send them there or to Liberia. I'm not sure if you're familiar with the story or the movie Amistad, um, but that um, basically they set up Liberia, which is a nation in Africa which was set up by former slaves from the United States. So even during the middle of the uh, Civil War, Lincoln brought uh, a lot of prominent uh, black um, Americans into the White House. One of the first times that um, prominent black members had been invited into the White House. And he was basically telling them like, hey guys, why don't you go like start a like colony in uh, Liberia, build it up, you know, you build up a whole society there. And then once it's ready to go, We'll just ship all of the slaves out of the United States, and we'll deport them, basically. I mean, that sounds pretty good. It's like uh, it's like Israel. And yeah, I mean, basically. So, they, I mean, that's kind of what happened with the Native Americans, right? Like in Israel, like the Palestinians are just like the Native Americans. They just keep trapping well, them further and further into uh, reservations, right? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, right. yeah. yeah. They're and on the that, other side of the world, though. I was getting kind of confused. Yeah, well, um, well, I mean, that's this is like the big. Both are savages, but not the same kind. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you know, a lot of times, well, if a lot of people look at the Civil War like it's a cartoon, right? There was a good side and a bad side, right? There were people who were trying to free slaves and people who were trying to keep slaves, basically, which is the cartoon and it's completely false. But they look at the Union and their generals as if they are great, noble, heroic people 
But then immediately after the war, what did uh, the Union generals do? They went into the West and attempted to exterminate the Native American population. They had to wipe them out to make room for the uh, railroads that were going through there. That's why they didn't want slavery in the West. They didn't want blacks competing with white workers. And you could read uh, David Wilmont's proviso. David Wilmont is a Republican from Pennsylvania. These are Northerners who explicitly say over and over and over again, we do not want to live with the black population. Lincoln himself even said, if um, the races never get together in Kansas, they'll never mix blood. I mean, this is the kind of language that they were using at that time. They said they have, they would, they would use words like Sambo, like we have no Sambo in our platform and stuff like that. And they would say that we want to keep all of the Western land exclusively available to the white population. So when they say that, like, oh, we're anti-slavery or we're pro-free, we're a free state, when they use free, they mean white people, free white labor, free white people. And Someone sounds like they were trying to prevent an AIDS uh, epidemic from occurring. Yeah, right. <laughs> so they have those immigration restrictions going on. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and so they put the Native Americans in one giant cage, right, and onto mm-hmm. into reservations, which is basically what they do with the Palestinians in Israel. So yeah. uh, what I've heard is that uh, even though like Lincoln didn't do uh, the shit he did because he wanted to free the slaves, he was personally against slavery. Is that true? While still well, being a massive uh, racist. It's, yeah, it's well, I mean, a lot of people were personal. Robert E. Lee himself, he wrote a letter to his wife saying that uh, slavery is a moral and political evil in any country where it's practiced. And uh, so a lot of people at that time were um, against slavery. I mean, even Thomas Jefferson himself wasn't really fond of the institution. And George Washington, in his will, freed all of his slaves. He made a separate will just for his slaves. And he said that they would be taken care of for generations to come. And they were. And uh, so a lot of people were not really in favor of slavery. But then I always put it like this. like It's an ancient inherited institution at that time. Slavery had never even been thought to have been abolished ever in the course of human history. It had been like the the shoguns in Japan had uh, slaves. There was a highest slave population in China ever. There were white slaves on the auction block when the Emancipation Proclamation was issued in Egypt. Um, Of course, the Barbary Coast, there was all the white slaves that were taken there. The word slave comes from Slav. The Eastern European people were enslaved by Europeans and by... Was that? Does it actually? I've heard it... uh... Yeah, you can look up slave etymology and just and the the term actually comes from Slav, because the um, the Slavs were so enslaved by people in Europe and of course the Middle East. There was a transit, the Trans-Saharan slave trade, which uh, occurred for decades or sorry for uh, centuries before the technology even existed for Europeans to come south and to uh, buy slaves from uh, the slave owners that were there. So slavery was a global phenomenon. It had existed everywhere throughout the course of human history. All all people from all four corners of the world participated in slavery and or genocide at one point in their history. So the idea that you could even begin to say, well, why don't we just get rid of this institution is a pretty radical idea to begin with yeah, at that time. And if you go back and you read a lot of the language and you see a lot of the structures that they had set up with slavery and, uh, and their racial uh, views and stuff like that, which are abhorrent to us today, obviously, right? We obviously have... Mm-hmm transcended beyond that we know much more about the human condition and all that other kind of stuff but 
you know, a lot of people look back and they're like, oh my God, they said this, or I can't believe they did this practice. I'm like, dude, these people were shitting in chamber pots. They were still like, like throwing their shit in the gutter. Like they did like, you have to take your, take off the 21st century glasses and try to put yourself in the situation where they were. So a lot of, so people were, they could be morally against slavery, but then even Lincoln himself was politically jockeying to try to, um, I don't know what you would say. Like he was, a uh, trying to acquiesce the South as much as possible. He compromised on slavery even throughout the war. Um, a lot of people know the infamous uh, Cornerstone speech. A lot of people bring up bring that up when they talk about Alexander Stevens, who was the vice president of the Confederacy. And he made a big speech where he said that slavery is the cornerstone of our new nation and it's so important to us and yada, yada. He's the, the guy with the devil horns, even though in his own private effects, he said that... Um, he was just saying that slavery would be as protected as it was in the union because Lincoln himself was willing to enshrine slavery into the constitution with the Corwin amendment. But even later on in the war, Lincoln and Stevens were good friends, which is crazy, right? Because everyone sees Lincoln as this great emancipator. And then Stevens is this guy with the, with the devil horns on him. Right. But they were meeting halfway through the war, trying to compromise a peace negotiation. And um, Lincoln was even telling him at the time, he said, he says, Oh, if Georgia and other Southern states come back into the union, you'll have enough power to keep slavery up until maybe 1900. So we're talking like, you know, 30, 40 years beyond the civil war. So he was still making compromises on slavery. The, the idea that Lincoln emancipated any slaves is, um, I don't know. It's just a, one of those misunderstandings of history, you know, because they just look at the emancipation proclamation and say, Oh, well, he freed the slaves in the South where he had no jurisdiction or power. That would be like uh, Joe Biden coming out tomorrow and saying, oh, well, I'm freeing all the slaves in North Korea. I'm pretty sure they've done something similar uh, uh, other places. Like, uh, just like, yeah, like uh, sort of claiming those standards in places where they have no, like, uh, power. Yeah, exactly. I mean, you have to think of the war, like... Uh, the Confederacy basically had left in their opinion. Like they had created a whole new government. A lot of people say, well, the, the Confederacy was never officially recognized. I'm like, okay, well they had a president, a vice president, a Congress, they had state governments, they had diplomacy. They were uh, sending, they were trading with other nations. They had a Navy, they had an army, they had a flag, they had a, nas a national anthem. I mean, looks like a duck to me, right? Like they, yep. <laughs> basically look like a nation and pre and, and uh, posture themselves like a nation. Uh, so they had felt that they had completely disconnected from anything having to do with the union or the uh, constitution or anything. And uh, so for Lincoln to say, Oh, well, I'm saying that all the slaves in the South are now free. Like, okay. Like he yeah, really has no jurisdiction anywhere to do that. But even more so with the emancipation proclamation was at that point during the war, the Union had controlled most of New Orleans and Louisiana, and they had controlled uh, basically all of West Virginia and a bunch of uh, other counties throughout the, uh, basically throughout North America. And Lincoln explicitly said that those areas, the Emancipation Proclamation would not take effect. The places where he can actually free slaves, he said that he would not do it. And so even uh, his, like... Um, I forget this uh, secretary of, uh, of, uh, state, uh, Simon P chase was basically saying like, Oh, well, where we can free them, we don't. And where we, uh, 
and where we we have no jurisdiction, like we're saying that they're free. So it's like, why are you mixing all this up? Like, why don't you just free the slaves like where you can? Or if uh, if anywhere else, like as as soon as like the um, Confederacy uh, seceded, shouldn't Lincoln have just said, "Oh, okay, well now that the South is gone, we can just free all the slaves, right? Or we should just pass." Yeah. yeah so the fact that that wasn't happening, and even he was writing to uh, Horace Greeley, who was like one of the biggest newspaper guys at the time, and Lincoln himself was saying, "If I can, if I could save this uh, Union without freeing any slaves, I would do that." You know, and telling like the biggest newspaper guy, this is 1862. It's like right in the middle of the war. So if he's saying that, it doesn't seem like it was a high priority for him. Or people say, oh, the um, the South, I hear this a lot. The South seceded to uh, protect slavery. And I always say protect it from what? There was no, nothing coming to like end slavery. Buchanan and Lincoln both said that they were not interested in harming uh, or touching slavery or interfering with it anywhere that they could. So. It's almost like um, uh, as if George Bush would say, like halfway through the Iraq War, like, well, you know, I don't really care if there's uh, weapons of mass destruction here. Like, as long as we get Saddam out, I'm good. Yeah, it, that's a great comparison, exactly. Yeah, so it's like the whole reason that you that people say that that's the reason for the war, and you're just going to abandon it entirely. Like, <laughs> this doesn't yeah. make any sense. Yeah. I just I just always get like tripped up about how people just try to like frame the North as this benevolent like group of people, and of course uh, you can go into the laundry list of all of the chaos and destruction that they created. I mean, it was miserable for the Southern civilians. It was so bad. I mean, uh, in uh, Vicksburg, Mississippi, like they had to dig their own caves. The women and children dug caves and were living in there. And they even put like little furniture in there and they were just basically, they were, they were forced to like eat, eat rats. Basically that was the last thing that the, they were down to. There were mules and rats that people were eating. And Jefferson Davis, at one point, the situation got so dire that he had to remind the people is all rats are edible. Like you can use them as food. God damn. And it's hmm. because the people were starving to death, the Northerners, yeah. everything that they didn't steal or set on fire was just basically, you know, uh, demolished. So the people were there were like living in a horrible, terrible conditions. And this this went against every Christian just war teaching up to that time, which just said that soldiers fight on the battlefield. That's it. You leave the civilians out of it. You know, like may, may the best man win on the battlefield, whichever army wins. And until then, they had to start resorting to what they call it, scorched earth tactics, basically. They set the whole city of Randolph, Tennessee on fire. Of course, the famous uh, burning of Atlanta and Sherman's March, which basically he just tore through all of uh, Georgia and then uh, tore up through um, South Carolina. So the the civilians were just left to basically starve to death or they were burned alive. And these are women and slaves, people who basically have no say in their government whatsoever. So you could say that, well, these were evil slave owners. And so they deserve to have all of their food and homes burnt to the ground. It's like, well, that wasn't who was there. It was defenseless, chill, uh, defensive women, children, and slaves who were there. So this whole idea that these benevolent Northerners came came south just to like emancipate these slaves and stuff like that is this—it's cartoon. It's a comic book. It's not true. Mm -hmm. Fake news. Fake news. That's yeah, fake news. <laughs> very fake. News. This is very fake news. We're gonna have. <laughs>
we're gonna have the best war the most awesome war (laughs) (laughs) yeah all right so um Damn, there's a lot of ground to cover here. So yeah, sorry, I, I uh, keep hopping all over the place. Sorry, I'm like all over the place. No, no, you're, that's you're, no work. I didn't no know problem. what you were talking about, it, so I got all excited. I, I just know, wanted I to tell you everything. We, we can always I, have him back for part two as well, so we don't need that's to cover everything. even better. Have yeah. it more structured. Yeah, maybe we'll have some questions like teed up. And, yeah, maybe. Or, or we can do a timeline kind of thing. People can ask questions too. So uh, the first thing I'm thinking about is um, how exactly did they – like sell this war, uh, particularly in the north. Like, did they actually sell it as like we want to free the slaves, or what was the the main uh, talking point? Yeah, so uh, that's what's really fascinating is that they like it's sold basically as if there was just this enormous fervor. Like the the wise, benevolent, intelligent people in New England were all and just so racially enlightened that they wanted to in the in the practice of slavery and that's the whole reason that the war happened and economic reasons or political reasons are like completely secondary right there's just no other purpose for the war other than slavery right that's what people try to center it around the whole time but in reality that's really what was going on was that uh up until then the the south had basically been controlling um the government you know from george washington up until you know john tyler everybody a lot of the um a lot of the presidents had been from the South. And so mm-hmm. the North finally had their uh, sectional candidate that they finally got in, uh, which was, who was funded by all of the uh, steel and all the railroad, um, uh, basically, I don't want to say monopolies, but like all the uh, big corporations, basically, they all uh, championed Lincoln and got Lincoln uh, into office, which is his whole thing. He said over and over again that he was dedicated to uh, internal improvement spending which just basically meant like building canals and railroads and all that kind of stuff. And so Lincoln was the, um, the poster boy for all of the railroad companies. So they got him in power and he was supposed to be this whole sectional, um, you know, executive basically of the whole country. And, um, but even after, um, well, actually let's, let's uh, back, back, back up a little bit because the North had already tried to secede twice at the Hartford convention. Uh, which uh, basically destroyed the Federalist Party and uh, during the uh, Louisiana Purchase. The North had multiple times said that we're interested in leaving the Union. We want to be our own country from Maryland up and have our own commerce and all this other kind of stuff. And the Union worked during the Revolutionary War, but now you can split back up or come and become smaller sections, basically. Mm-hmm. So it was a Northern idea. So all these Southerners and stuff like that, if you were wealthy enough, you went to school up North. You went to Yale or Harvard or you went to New York to go study and they were teaching them that uh, secession is entirely legitimate. It's okay. Even at West Point where all of these great generals went, they were all taught that secession was entirely legitimate and, you know, the last ditch effort to protect yourself against the federal government, which is kind of what we're dealing with today. You know, a lot of these places they want to balkanize and they want to get smaller and they want to secede. Um, They see it as a solution. Like the federal government's gone too crazy. They've gone too far. And we don't want to be associated with them anymore. So a lot of modern, like California and Texas and these other states want to be independent. Mm-hmm. So, how do you uh, the jump uh, topics a little bit here, but how do you estimate the chances of any state actually 
uh, attempting to secede because for as long as I remember paying any kind of attention to US politics, uh, Texans have wanted to secede um, and I have not yet, not yet seen any effort to actually do so. So well, I always tell them, I always say like whenever that topic comes up, I'm like that old phrase, like shit or get off the pot, dude, like <laughs> secede already, dude. Like you guys keep saying it like, oh, we want to be Texas. We want to secede. We don't like the government. We don't like, I'm like, dude, just do it already like they keep wasting their time talking about it all I mean, time. uh i assume they're kind of afraid of getting well not way code but you know i suppose it's great that you're playing that out it's uh because uh, uh, i assume uh, the federal government doesn't want them to succeed and, and why is that because of their slaves uh, is that why? Is that I what's mean, going on? Sort of. Well, like, no, well, think about it though. Like, like you, uh, your uh, your your great observation, which is so true, is that if Texas tried to secede right now, the federal government probably wouldn't let them. Right? They would either invade or have some kind of political conflict between them. Right? Mm. And so the same thing is going on with the South, South Carolina, and the you know other six states that initially seceded. Right. Mm-hmm. Why, why did the federal government threaten to invade them? It wasn't because of their slaves. It was just the mere fact that they were trying to leave the union, right? Yeah. So we're yeah. getting your tax money. We're getting like all your, you know, uh, basically they were, they were funding all of their internal improvement. Uh, things that were going on in the North, all the railroads and all the canals and all this other stuff. And so the South is thinking, oh, well, we're paying all this high money and high tariffs and taxes and stuff like that. And you're spending it all in the North. Why do we want to be a part of this? Um, union anymore. We want to break free and have a completely free trade society. New Orleans would have been New York City if the uh, Erie Canal was never built. And if the South would have been able to form its own nation, own free trade zone, like that's what they were complaining. They were like, oh, well, the South is trying to create a free trade zone. The British are all just going to trade with them down South and they'll forget all about us because we'll still have tariffs and all this other stuff. Interestingly, now New York is becoming New Orleans. Gay and black. So what you're saying is that the South will rise again. <laughs> <laughs> no, in, in fact, in fact, well, I'm in a, I'm in some like groups with some uh, some Southern people. It's all just like Southern culture and history and all this other kind of stuff. And um, and I'm always telling them I'm always making fun of them and putting it in their face. And I'm like, the South did not rise again. That they came, yeah. they, they dig up your people, they dig up the graves. That's what a ghoul does. If you look up the definition of a ghoul, it's a grave robber. You know, they will go and they will uh, dig up Nathan, uh, Nathan Bedford Forest. They'll de- deface um, museums. They set the uh, Stonewall Jackson Museum on fire. There's priceless, like, historical relics in there. They will uh, graffiti all over your Robert E. Lee statue and project whatever the fuck they want up on your statues. They will tear it down. They'll behead them. They'll do it. And and what did the South do? Nothing. Nothing. Jack Big shit. Dude, the line. South did not rise again, man. They're they're scared. They're nothing like their ancestors. Yeah, and a part of the reason that most of these people want to take down those statues is not because of any tie to slavery, but because those were the last people to stick up against the federal government. They can't have any notion of that happening or any remembrance of people actually standing their ground and saying no or I just want out. I just don't want to be associated with you. And then if you come to me, 
you bring the war to me, I'm going to fight back. And the thing was, is that the South was winning on the battlefield. They were destroying the Union. That's why they had to resort to conscription. And they brought in all these foreign mercenaries that promised them citizenship if they would fight for the American government. And they went and they killed all the civilians. Because you have to resort to killing civilians and destroying the infrastructure in order to win the battle because they couldn't win it on the battlefield. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I think one of the major uh, issues, if someone were to try to succeed uh, uh, now, would be the association with slavery. Of course, I mean that's and that's a, that's the propaganda, right? So we're, yeah, yeah, sorry. I mean, it, really, to answer your uh, your first question that you had was that. Um, of course, you know, John Brown happened and John Brown actually tried to um, start a slave rebellion in Virginia when he overtook the um, Harper's Ferry uh, arsenal. And basically he was, uh, they were caught, they were foiled. In fact, John Brown's first victim was uh, a black man who was like a luggage handler who who was there. But um, he was taken to court and he was found guilty for treason and they hanged him. They hanged John Brown because he was trying to start a slave rebellion. And so a lot of the Southerners saw uh, the Northerners as abolitionists, and not just so much that they were trying to get rid of slavery, but they were trying to incite some kind of violent slave rebellion. And so they were very like cautious, like concerned with them and stuff like that. But in reality, uh, the abolitionists never had any major um, political support. They never made any kind of major party. They were never elected to office. They were lynched and chased out of the north. Uh, Elijah, um, uh, Elijah Love, Elijah Lovejoy, was an abolitionist who was killed in Illinois. That's the land of Lincoln, right? Like, and then uh, of course William Lloyd Garrison, who was the biggest uh, abolitionist at the time, he was lynched as well. Meaning he was just chased out of town, or they threatened violence against him and stuff like that. So, abolitionists were not popular in the north. And then even when the southern states seceded. You can read the newspapers. Most of the North was okay with them seceding. They're like, it's sad to see them go and we don't want them to go. But ultimately, if they want to make their own way, it's entirely up to them. It wasn't until the shots were fired at Sumter that the Northerners changed their mind. And then they use Sumter as propaganda to say, oh, look how violent and crazy these Southerners are. They're they're firing on us. And these men were stuck starving at a fort and we tried to give them food and they shot at us, which wasn't the scenario, right? But they use their own forms of propaganda to say that, um, oh, well, look how violent the South is. Now we have to go in there and put down this revolution or this revolt or whatever the hell. Mm-hmm. Sorry, I'm giving you long-winded answers. It's, 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 very, it's very complex, though. It's very complex. I I, I'm a big fan of long answers. It's, uh, <laughs> it makes my work much yeah, easier. easy for you. <laughs> I know. I'm chilling. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> um, so, uh, hypothetically, let's say, right, uh, Texas and South, South, what the fuck ever, like a bunch <laughs> of the Southern states. Yeah, I mean, my topography of the Southern states or the states of the United States is about as good as my topography of the Balkans. So, <laughs> you know, don't fucking question it. Um, like, if they were to uh attempt to secede via peaceful means let's say they would hold referenda um like you know do you want to secede and there would be a majority what would the 
what would happen? Would the federal government actually send in military to uh, try to prevent that? Um, or would they just kind of fuck with, with some regulation and ultimately be like, well, you know what, fuck off? Well, if, uh, what you're actually saying is actually what did happen during the Civil War was yeah. that in South Carolina, they had um, they had uh, conventions of the people who came and they all unanimously voted to secede, that they wanted to secede. So it wasn't just like uh, a handful of rich people or politicians just decided to do that. So they had actual um, members who came to this convention and they voted and they said, we want to leave the union. So it's not far-fetched to think that something like that could potentially happen today, especially in a place like Texas. Who, te- Texas is interesting because it's the second largest state and uh, it has all, all kinds of natural resources, has a large population, it has a large social identity. A lot of people in Texas consider themselves Texans, you know, mm-hmm. and, and they're also Americans, but you'll see the Lone Star, you'll see the star everywhere. So the Texas star is all over Texas and they have the resources and the means to do it. So if they did decide to secede, the problem is, is that they have um, a lot of military within the country. And uh, it depends on what they do because during the civil war, uh, a lot of the forts were abandoned. A lot of the military left the forts and they had just allowed basically the state to become independent. And so I don't see that happening though in Texas. I don't see a bunch of the military people who are there in Texas standing down and just saying, oh, well, they're not just Texans that are in the military in Texas. Like they, I feel that they would either try to push back or they would try to uh, organize and try to, um, I don't know. I don't know what they would do exactly. <laughs> I think that they would just try to take over like, uh, the, I guess the capital. I guess if these people met at the capital. There would be some kind of siege, right. Waco style, at the capital. Yeah. Of course, they would send out outside uh, forces in from other states and stuff like that, and try to put down any kind of actual rebellion. Again, it depends on how popular the rebellion is, how yeah. how many people they have on their side. Because if they, if you have a substantial amount of people, I mean, if you have, let's say, let's say one million people, you have 1 million people who are in favor of secession and they are down with it and they support the people who are engaging in it and getting the wheels in motion to do it politically. Right. They have, they have a cultural support as well as political support. If 1 million people have their back, it'd probably be a lot more difficult for the States to come in and, uh, or sorry, the federal government to actually send in troops and to take that over. Because if you have someone like Waco, like Hans Hermann Hoppe would say like, oh, Waco is just a group of freaks, right? Nobody cares about them. Yeah. They're like, oh, they're weird religious radicals. And so you can get most of the propaganda on the side of the government to say, oh, well, these people were all weirdos. They were gun nuts and they were probably pedos and they were probably all this other stuff. So it's okay for us to come in and set them on fire, right? Yeah. It's okay for us to do that. Whereas if you have a of whole course. city, imagine of like course. all of Austin, Texas was down, like, they would have a lot more difficulty going up against an entire city as compared to, you know, a hundred people in a, in a building. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. Of course, uh, even if the Waco people, uh, people were probably pedos, that still <laughs> makes them better than the most politicians, you know, because they're not just probably. <laughs> oh, <pedos>. yeah, probably. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No guys with that. I mean, like, 
yeah, that's that's what trips me out about uh I don't know, because everyone like now the big um what is it like uh pejorative is to say, Oh, you're a QAnon, right? Like you're a QAnon, right. like like yeah. you probably believe that, you know, all the politicians and celebrities are all pedophiles and stuff like that. And I mean you can go into some of that information, but in reality, so we have the Epstein stuff. We have the Weinstein stuff, we have the Glenn mm-hmm. Maxwell stuff, we have Les Wexner, we have all of these predominant people, Bill Gates, Bill Clinton, all the people who flew on the Little Leader Express. We have all this information out here. We have Dennis Hastert. We have all uh, uh, Al Franken, uh, who was uh, Barney Frank, who's running a prostitution ring out of his garage. Like We have all of this like above ground information. So you can go into the conspiracy stuff if you want, but it's all right there, right in front of us. Yeah, you don't actually have to. Yeah, you don't have to dig. You don't have to make up anything. <laughs> yeah. So it's like not even probably, right? Like with the David Koresh stuff, it's like, oh, well, I don't know. There were some weird marriage practices that they had and like all this other kind of stuff. It's all, well, that's kind of squishy. What about the real stuff that we know about that should be like front page news that nobody, everyone's just ignoring, right? Because they have a special political status or whatever. Yeah. No, I, uh, I, know, I know how we got on that from yeah. Civil War, but. <laughs> uh, I think i can crush it back but uh yeah it's uh waco <laughs> yeah 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 it's texas That's what I mean. so like if, if it's just a bunch of average day-to-day patriots and let's say that there's a million of them they're all in texas and they're all on board with secession and they want nothing to do with the american government i'm not saying that the federal government would not still try to go in there and take them out but it would be a lot more difficult and they'd have a bad pr situation on their hands because yeah that's the, I mean, I don't know. I, I don't think that people believe in America or the American creed or American independence or what that means. Or I don't think people really care. Okay. About what the hell is the American creed? Uh, I mean, there's an actual, creed, but worse. It, 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 it's that like the, uh, um, like, like the, the thing, uh, uh, the kids do, uh, before every, uh, School. The Pledge of Allegiance? Thing? No, that's yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's kind of the uh, Sieg Heil thing. There, there really yeah. is like, a, there really is like a uh, like a short, like paragraph that actually uh, is about the American creed, and it's on a historical plaque, and I don't know where that plaque is exactly, uh, but if you if you Google it or do a Google image search of the American creed, what you does could, it say? Well, it basically just talks about being an individual. It just talks about like the power of the individual, like and having like a a humble stance in the world, but also realizing that you know the human potential is it's 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 great, you know, like yeah, you can accomplish so much, and that this you know this world like use the resources around you. You live in a beautiful place, and and so, but people don't believe that shit anymore, right? That's so that's hokey, right? Nobody cares. Nobody cares about that shit anymore. Is it uh, from nineteen seventeen? Uh, probably. I don't know. Can you? Like, Let's see. I have something here. There's nothing wrong with that statement whatsoever. I just feel that people don't believe that. The average person doesn't believe it. Do you find it? For for clarity, we have it here. Uh, I believe in the United States of America as government of the people, by the people, for the people, whose just powers are derived from the consent of the governed, democracy in a republic, sovereign nation of many sovereign states, a perfect union. One and inseparable established upon those principles of freedom, equality, justice, and humanity for which American patriots sacrifice their lives 
and fortunes. I therefore believe it is my duty to my country to love it, to support its constitution and to obey its laws, to respect its flag and to defend it against all enemies. Written in 1917, accepted by the United States House of Representatives, April 9th, 1918. More like written in 1984, am I right? Yeah, was, that, uh, was that the plaque that you read? Uh, that's just one of the first results that came up when I typed American Creed into DuckDuckGo. Okay. Oh, did you look uh, at images? That sounded uh, similar, but uh, I didn't. I don't remember it getting so flaggy at the end. <laughs> yeah, laws. There's a thing here. We're obviously, very far from that. Uh, yeah. Well, I, even well I don't know. You guys, you guys were talking about not being a libertarian, right? Like, what does it mean to be a libertarian? And like, are you a libertarian? Yeah. All those kinds of things. I mean, I was just thinking about it, like on the way over here. I was like, I was like, well, the answer for me is yes. You know, like my neighbor was like, Oh, like, what do you think of the constitution? And I was like, I was like, it's a great North star. It's a great like direction to head in. Like if we could actually live by the constitution and live and abide by those laws, I probably wouldn't complain as much. There'd probably still be something. I'd probably be like the mail isn't working the way I want it to. I'd probably have some little critiques, but mm. if we could stay within that. I actually have more complaints about the female, but yeah, go ahead. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. I got, I got bigger problems than the constitution. <laughs> People, like, uh, I mean, I feel like it's the best we have right now. It's not the ultimate. Yeah, well, I mean, the, the ideal is to have, like, com- complete individual sovereignty, right? Mm-hmm. Complete individual mm-hmm. autonomy and be able to con- conduct your own life as long as you're not harming somebody, right? We have non-aggression principle. Yeah. I believe in that, you know? Like, that's a, a tenet of uh, libertarianism. But I also feel like, you know, like, the Constitution is a part of libertarianism. Although, uh, like, yeah. well, I mean, I, like, well, Spooner would, mean, Spooner would disagree, right? Like, I mean, uh, the Constitution is um, fake and gay. Uh, yeah, oh, for sure. But of course, <laughs> no uh, so is libertarianism. So, uh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, checks out. Yeah. No, it's, it, I feel like it's a good direction for people to want yeah. to head in. You know, like, I... I didn't wake up one morning and I wasn't just like, oh, I'm just going to, I believe that, you know, anarcho-capitalism right. or agorism is like the way to go. Like I was, I was a George W. Bush, a neocon conservative. And then I was like, oh, well that's wrong. And like, what's this libertarian stuff? And I was like, okay, well this sounds better. This sounds about right. And then the more I read about, so, oh, well, maybe volunteerism or like anarcho-capitalism is something I'm more interested in. And then the further I got and further I got, it's like, okay, well, how do we actually implement this in the real world? And I just see like agorism as being the real like outlet to do that. It's like, you just have to say like, fuck the government and just circumvent them mm-hmm. and, and ostracize them any way that you can. Don't mm-hmm. give Make them, them irrelevant. Yeah. Don't give them any information. Don't work with them. Don't take money from them. Don't like interact with them, subvert their laws, any possible way that you can. Like, I mean, I do- don't take money from them. Isn't really I mean, it's if you take money from the government without giving them services, then the government has less money to use to buy uh, cheese pizza, and uh, you have more money to use to buy guns to fight the government. It's well, they'll, uh, just print, they'll just print the money or, or borrow it, right? Like, they don't need me. Well, yeah, but you still have more money. It's uh, I don't see the problem with that. 
It's uh, it's when you actually give them services in exchange for it. Yeah. I, it well, my whole thing with that is like I feel guilty even taking a little bit of money from the government, even if it's you know unemployment or if it's a stimulus or whatever. Like, mm -hmm. I don't feel right taking money from the government because I feel like it's insulting to myself. Mm -hmm. Like, where's where's the rest of it? Right. Where's the rest of this money that you stole from me? Like, right. I'm not going to take your crumbs. Like, you're trying to give me crumbs just to shut me up and to get me to go along. But, yeah. And I feel that by taking that, like, I'm acquiescing. I'm saying, oh, okay, well, thank you for my little crumbs or whatever. It's like, no, dude, I want the rest of the pizza. Like, I want the rest of everything you're, like, you stole from me. Right? He really does it. You want all the things like there's a big Walter Block debate about that, right? Is it okay to take money from Since the government? they took from you already. Right? Yeah, so we took from you, and the money will be in better hands, right? Like, what if I if I took all of that money and I gave it all to like the Mises Institute or something like that? You know, like yeah. you could potentially do that, but hmm. I, I just don't want to be associated with them whatsoever. I don't want to be seen as I've ever asked for anything yeah. from them or taken anything from them. Or I mean, that might be a kind of. Um... I mean, it's 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 a pretty American thing to say because, like, uh, well, here we are pretty used to taking money from the government. We're also pretty used this to like Scandinavia, right? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and we're also pretty used to giving the government like uh, I know. Uh, I don't know what's the actual net tax rate usually. Like, it's like ninety percent or some shit. I mean, it's probably like seventy, seventy-five, eighty percent. Like we we have uh, valued tax and income tax and other kinds of taxes. It's it's crazy. But That's yeah. Well, uh, what's going on with Scandinavia is like a little bit different because a lot of people try to say, well, we should try to be like them. They have a big social welfare state. And uh, well, yeah. they also have dark town wards, so I don't yeah. think you would want to be like Scandinavia. Well, they have um, like uh, like a highly homogenous society, and I'm even just yeah, that, like, which you should or, try, but you, culturally you, too. You like, should same. probably try that part. That's that that's the good part. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know. Yeah, so so I mean, yeah, if you have a homogeneous like society, whether it's Japan or if it's Sweden or Norway or anywhere you know like yeah you can, you can maybe you can do that because you guys all have similar values and cultural uh aspects and different same goals and all those kinds of things like mm. and uh from what i understand a lot of places in europe have like uh vouchers like education vouchers so you can take that money and the government will give it to you in the form of a voucher and you can take that to your school of your choice right uh, i think some places do and it's like that in belgium and but yeah, we're homo homogeneous. Okay. So you hear I'm that, Thomas? Gone to fucking Belgium. I didn't choose to be I gay, am. Thomas. It's 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 a it's homogeneous. It's <laughs> homogeneous. No homo. No homo. You got the gay gene, don't you? Yeah. That's good. Um. God damn! I wish I got, I got some sweets. goddamn education voucher. Yeah. That would save me a lot of fucking debt. I mean, uh, like, I'm not, I'm not really in favor of the government being involved in education whatsoever. But I would take a voucher system over the situation we have right now, where everyone's forced at gunpoint to go to mm -hmm. the school that they're, you know, was it zoned in basically, based on yeah. your zip code, or wherever it is that you live. Mm. Like that's crazy. Like I was just talking about how, like, how evil 
the state is and how evil their minions are like like uh like that's the smartest thing to do so just start a whole school system and you can tell the kids from the jump that like you're great and you're awesome and all your wars are legitimate and everything that the government does is in the right and you can't do anything without the government mm-hmm. and just teach people that all their lives and then once they get old and then they get oh, a war or a virus or whatever it is they'll just go along with whatever it is that you want them to do. Mm, yep. That's pretty brilliant. That's like, that's evil brilliance. Yeah. They use their, they use their brilliance for evil all the time. Yeah. This is crazy. Like it's, imagine uh, what we could do if you use that power for good. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, why, why don't you trick people into doing something like nice for society? Yeah. Yeah. Cause that's boring. Well, yeah. It's boring. Yeah. Again, it's boring. Like, Oh, we want to be left alone. That's boring. <laughs> yeah, it exactly. is. I think that's uh a good place to end it, uh, basically where we started. Right. Um, <laughs> yeah. Being left alone is fucking boring. Yeah. yeah. Uh, also, please uh, gen- the... tell the government that like send state-sponsored hookers <laughs> and cocaine over here. Yeah. Also, the American Civil War uh, was good uh, because uh, many Americans died there. Yeah. Saw nine eleven was good too. Yeah. I mean, everyone knows that, but, uh, you know. Everyone knows that. Yeah. Did they find um, intact Saudi Arabian passports at the, uh, <laughs> at the Civil Wars? <laughs> yeah. Uh, I mean, there is some of that, man. Sometimes they find crazy artifacts, and I'm like, oh, you found that in the grass? Like, what do you think? You know? Mm. Yeah. But the, yeah. yeah, it's fake, you know? <laughs> Isn't there, like, the one fucking thing where, like, two bullets hit each other? Oh yeah, the bullets. Yeah, yeah it was like a tool. Yeah, the bullets, yeah. bullets hit each other. Yeah, yeah, mm. yeah. How how many uh, towers can uh, two Lincolns take down? It's uh... <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> which is crazy, you know. Everybody says like, oh well, you know, the big one is oh, building seven. You know, building mm. seven came down. Like... <laughs> Stop! So, well, I told you I was gonna go full <laughs> Alex Jones. I told you I was gonna go full Alex Jones. <laughs> I mean, building right, seven so, is pretty obvious, right? That's the cliche, right? Uh, I think in uh, in conclusion is um, uh, hashtag don't forget Tower 7. Uh, <laughs> how many Lincolns? <laughs> All right. Well, yeah. How many Lincolns don't forget the Alamo or Tower 7 yeah. or whatever? Um, what even and, is the Alamo? Uh, I don't fucking know. Do I look like an American it's, thing? It's, it's an American thing. I know. It's uh, uh, <laughs> it's probably from the Mexican or Spanish war or whatever. It's. Uh, I mean, I gotta say, like every time I have Mexican food, I do feel like going to war at Mexico the day after. So yeah, like yeah. It's, uh, and there's usually some uh, war going on in your pants, uh, like <laughs> a few hours after. The real yep. Mexican-American war there. God damn. All right. Well, um, I know you're suspended on Twitter, uh, but uh, do you have any plugs? No. No, I I mean, uh, (laughs) after after all I've said, I've already talked about Building 7, so I probably shouldn't plug. (laughs) Well, it was very nice uh, talking to you with a girl with a deeper voice. Yeah, uh, well, no, thank you guys. Well, I, I appreciate the opportunity to come on and rant and talk about this stuff. Well, there we go. Without I appreciate you, you um, 
Yeah, you have to go back and listen, and you guys can uh, search along with some of the names and stuff I'm talking about. Yeah. Yeah, fact yeah. check. Yeah, double double up, fact check. Yeah, exactly. Um, all right then. Well, go follow the rest of us uh, under at Dark Tom Woods on Twitter at Miss NH ninety ninety one. I think nineteen ninety one. Yeah. Yeah, on Twitter at Angelina here and I'm sick of it and I'm calling you out scum <sighs> and after you fuck yourself which you should absolutely do uh, also shout out to Mike Jones for being like a live listener oh. um, to the podcast I was supposed to shout him out oh well shout him out then shout out Mike Jones don't do drugs Hello. <laughs> well you know, I think it's too late for more. him. <laughs> 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 All right. Uh, goodbye. <laughs>